Welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Recently, I had the opportunity to visit Pastor Bill Page in Cairns in far north Queensland. I was so blessed to be able to uh, minister at his church and then also see the incredible ministry that he's had over many years in Papua New Guinea and uh, hear some of his stories. And I said, we've got to get you on the radio one day to share a bit of your story. So we've got him on the phone today. How are you, Bill? I'm doing well, thanks, Matt. How are you? Very good, mate. We're doing good, Bill. It's so great to have you on the show today. So uh, you guys you, better give me a bit of a, a background on, uh, Bill, your story. I mean, 19 <laughs> years serving in Papua New Guinea. How did that all begin? Oh, well, it's a long story. Um, Matt wanted me to talk about how I actually came to the Lord because I wasn't brought up uh, in a church or in a, a Christian home as such. And um, when I was 30 years old, I'd had a series of ups and downs in my life. And I guess I was in a down at that time. Um, I'd been a hippie for eight years. I don't know if anybody remembers what that is, but uh, mm-hmm. living up in the bush and stuff like that. And um, I was walking through uh, the main street of our town, uh, Coffs Harbour in New South Wales one night, totally just by myself walking through town and I could hear music coming from the town hall or the civic centre as they call it. And uh, I was a musician. I still am a musician and I could hear some nice music coming from there and I thought it was a dance. So I decided that I'd go into the Civic Centre and join in whatever was going on. And it turned out that it was an evangelism rally and Clark Taylor was the speaker. And uh, it was amazing for me because no one had invited me to go. I hadn't really heard the gospel up to that point, uh, but I know I really needed something in my life. And so I sat there and I listened to Clark speak, minister the word of God. And I got to tell you, the whole direction of my life changed that night. Um, for the first half of his message, I was sitting there thinking, buddy, whatever it is you're selling, I've got to have it. And for the second half of his message, I was thinking, I'm going to do what you're doing. If I can make people feel the way you're making me feel right now, this has got to be more important than anything else in the world. So I gave my life to Jesus that night and honestly have never looked back. I've pretty much started serving him fairly soon after that. And that's yeah, over 30 years ago now. Now, I grew up in Coffs Harbour, and I I knew about your dad, but I'd never actually met you while I was there. Uh, Your dad was the owner of uh, Coffs Harbour Office Supplies and Outdoors Plus and all these other businesses in Coffs, which I knew about. And and I heard about this bloke who was a missionary in Papua New Guinea, uh, and uh, we never actually crossed paths until just recently, which is amazing. So tell us a bit about your journey. So after you came to the Lord, uh, you spent a number of years uh, in one of the local churches there, uh, it used yeah. to be called Bethel Church, now it's known as That's Heartbeat right. Church. Um, yeah. What was the transition time like from conversion to missionary in Papua New Guinea? Well, I've, I've decided the night I gave my life to Jesus, and I know the Lord was leading at the time, that my life belonged to him from this moment forward. Um, so everything, I, was, I owned those businesses with my father, and um, from that point on, uh, there was really only one direction my life was going to take. And I met this beautiful young lady in church, uh, 
named Corrie, and we got married, and we've been married almost 31 years now. And uh, she also, it's amazing to have a, a husband and a wife in total agreement about leaving everything behind and going serving the Lord in another country. And so in uh, 1990, at the end of 1990, uh, we sold the businesses, we sold our home, gave away everything that we didn't sell, basically gave almost everything away. And then we flew up to Papua New Guinea. Uh, and for the first two years, we were in Medang, which is on the north coast of Papua New Guinea, working with a big church up there called Gospel Lighthouse. Oh. And I was um, I was supervising some churches up along the north coast and preaching in the church, and also I was administrator and financial controller for their Bible college, and we absolutely adored every minute of it. Uh, we didn't have much money; we weren't supported by any organisation or church or anything. We got a little bit of support from the church in Coffs, but basically we decided we were going to step out of the boat and walk on the water and serve the Lord. And after two years in Medang. Uh, the leaders of the organization asked us if we would pioneer a church in Port Moresby because they'd never had a missionary silly enough to live in Port Moresby up to that point. Um, Port Moresby is a pretty dangerous place. But, you know, we moved there in January 1993, and it was just like the Lord opened every door for us. It was just amazing, Matt. And I, I remember you telling me a story about how you and your wife just kind of walked into a crowd near the markets and just started singing and preaching, and that's pretty much how you planted the church. Is well, that is I that true? I've the church before. Um, <laughs> I'd been helping with one in Medang, and um, we were sent you know, with great faith on the behalf of our, our organisation to go and, and plant a church in Port Moresby, but we didn't know anybody there. Um, we didn't start with a home group or a cell meeting or anything like that. We just, boom, we just landed in Port Moresby with the instruction, plant a church. And one day we were driving past one of the big open-air markets there, a place called Koki Market, which is on the edge of the ocean, and lots and lots of people there in this big open-air fruit and vegetable market. And uh, the, the white people we were with said to us, oh, when you drive past here, you know, wind up the windows and lock the doors and don't stop because a lot of cars get hijacked here and people get held up and stuff. But we looked out the windows of their car and we could see hundreds and hundreds of people and I really believe the Lord spoke to me and said they're like sheep without a shepherd and um, like I said earlier um, I'm a musician and Papua New Guinean people love music uh, we were fluent in the language by then we'd been in the country for two years and so Corey and I said you know what we're going to go to that market and we're going to take the guitar and we're going to sing and preach the gospel how else do you plant a church in a city where you don't know anybody you know so a few days later I got my guitar and my cowboy hat and she grabbed a handful of tracks, and uh, we walked into the middle of that crowd. I mean, just for white people to go there was pretty crazy anyway. And I'm taking my pretty blonde wife and <laughs> my guitar, and we walked right into the middle of the people, and I put the guitar down and the guitar case down, got the guitar out, and we started to sing. And like I said, Papua New Guinean people love music, you know, so we were singing in pigeon as well, so the people understood what we were singing about, and Pretty soon we had a really big crowd of people all around us, you know, because, um, you know, not a lot else to do, I guess. And here's this crazy white man with his pretty wife <laughs> standing there in the middle of the market. <laughs> That's the, uh... and so we, we sang for about 20 minutes and then I'm thinking, well, Lord, what do I do now? So I, I figured, well, I better, I better preach the gospel. So I put the guitar down <laughs> and uh, started to preach the gospel. And I thought, oh, everybody will leave now, but nobody left. And so, again, preaching in the language and, oh, I tell you what, mate, preaching with my whole heart, eh? just preaching the purity of the gospel. And nobody, nobody walked away. They were all standing there 
looking at me and looking at Corrie with the, you know, cigarettes in their mouths and chewing their betel nut and holding their groceries. And I preached for maybe 15 or 20 minutes and I thought, well, they'll all leave now. And still nobody left. And so in a, <laughs> in a flash of inspiration, like, like standing in the market eight, I just said, everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to pray. <laughs> everybody, mate, everybody bowed their heads and closed their eyes. And I prayed for them. I prayed for them. God had revealed his love for them and that God would save them. And, and then still nobody left. And so when I finished praying, I just said, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, put up your hand. And hands went up all over the place. And so we prayed with them and gathered them together. And yeah, that's how the church started. That mm. was in 1993, April 1993. Wow. That's just an incredible uh, story and testimony. And isn't it just wonderful how uh, music, it's, it's a universal oh, yeah. language and it doesn't matter oh, yeah. where you are yeah. across yeah. the globe, people will respond to music yeah. and, and you guys were able to use that as a, a beginning connection point. But I know your pastoral care didn't just begin there. I mean, obviously that was the starting point and, and then the church that you guys built thrived, but yeah. you also ended up on national radio. Tell us what happened when you ended up on the airwaves in PNG. Well, what happened was um, there's a guy up in Papua New Guinea who's a very dear friend called Roger Haofa. He's actually a Cook Islander who is a, a citizen and long-term resident of Papua New Guinea, married to a Papua New Guinean lady. And he was like the John Laws of PNG. He He was doing until very recently, a morning talkback show from 9 till 12 uh, every weekday morning on the radio. And he got saved. He gave his life to Jesus. And he decided, well, if I'm doing a talkback show every you know, weekday, just talking about all the things of the world, why don't I do a Bible talkback show and, and do, a, do something that's going to bring people to Jesus? So he talked to me and said, would you be interested in doing that? And the radio station is not a Christian radio station. It's the national radio station that, that reaches the whole country. And um, the, the people of Papua New Guinea, 80% of the people still live in villages. And a lot of them don't have electricity. So they don't have TV or DVD players, but they all have battery radios and mobile phones. <laughs> so uh, every Sunday night, and I did it for 13 years, sometimes with other pastors helping, but a lot of the time by myself and with Roger, of course. And uh, I would teach the Word of God for maybe half an hour or so, and then we'd open up the lines and people would phone in and ask all kinds of questions about the Word of God. But you see, because people are hungry for the Lord, people would ring up because they were sick and they'd say, pray for me. So we had people healed all over different corners of the country, people giving their lives to Jesus, people getting healed when we prayed for them. I used to lead people in the sinner's prayer over national radio. If they'd ring up and they had different problems, I'd say, have you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Oh, no, pray this prayer after me, you know. <laughs> and it was just wonderful. And, and it, it only stopped because we ultimately left PNG to come back and resettle in Australia. Well, it's an incredible story of uh, an Aussie bloke who, you know, gave his heart for God and then just decided to, you know, go to Papua New Guinea. And your church grew to, yeah. what, about 3,000 people, was it, at one stage? Oh, probably two, between 2, 000. two and three, but more, closer to 2,000 and 3,000. Yep, okay, so incredible fruit over there. And yeah. you handed it over to a local uh, past, senior pastor now. Is One it, that we trained up in our church, gave his life to the Lord in our church. Yep. And uh, I will see... I believe the job of a missionary, Matt, is to work ourselves out of a job. Yeah. I believe what we must be doing is raising up and training 
the local people for the work of the ministry. You know, that's mm. what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, isn't it? For the equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So we really took that seriously. And we figured that our job was to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so I put a lot of energy into doing that. And uh, also, I've got to give credit to our team up there. Just wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah, fantastic. And, uh, yeah, and so in the end, all of the different ministries of the church, uh, they're still feeding, uh, serving about 1,400 meals to hungry kids every week. Wow. That started in 1999. We started off a medical clinic with a packet of Band-Aids and a bottle of Dettol <laughs> late in the 90s. And now there's two clinics operating there, treating over 8,000 patients a month. We've got 40 medical staff on staff and yeah, that's just going from strength to strength too and all sorts of different stuff, mate. We we were planning so many churches, we had to start a Bible college, so we started a Bible college with a wonderful brother from Sydney who's since gone back to PNG named Ken Isco, who came up and, and planted or helped us to get started with our Bible college and we're turning out a lot of pastors now. Gosh, mate, it just keeps going on. We started a school. My missus started a school with six kids in 1998 and now there's 260 kids, and they're about to build 12 new classrooms. Wow. So it's just, yeah, it's, hey, it's a testimony to the wonderful, wonderful people of Papua New Guinea. So good to hear. To learn of Jesus, to be trained up, and to serve him, because they serve with all their hearts. And I was so impressed with visiting your church in Cairns, uh, in Mm -hmm. particular your uh, soup kitchen that you run every day, and you've got clothes for the homeless. Yeah. Uh, a lot of uh, Indigenous Aussies and Papua New Guineans uh, visiting yeah. every day. Uh, yeah. Tell us about uh, the, the needs that you're seeing on the streets of Cairns right now. One of the things that we discovered very early in the piece in Papua New Guinea is that in an area where there are needs, I believe it's the job of the Christian church not just to preach the gospel, which is the power of God under salvation, but also to do what we can to minister in practical ways to help people, you know, like homeless or suffering people, disadvantaged people. And I think this has been an area of ministry that, by and large, the church, not everybody, but, you know, the church can bypass without understanding that not only is it what Jesus is calling us to do, but it's also an incredible way to build a church. You see, he said in Matthew 25, didn't he? He said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was sick and you came and visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And he said, whatever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you do it to me. And in Papua New Guinea, one of the reasons why our church grew so large and was so fruitful is because from the very beginning, we started feeding the settlement kids. We started helping people with clothes. We started sponsoring children through school. And then we we started up the medical clinics, you know, not because I'm a doctor or I had some great vision to build these huge clinics, but because we were standing in the rubbish dump one day feeding the people and because a lot of people live at the rubbish dump there and there was a little boy there who was covered in sores, mate. It was, he was naked. The only thing he was wearing were, were little plastic bags that somebody had tied around his feet to keep the dust and the dirt out of the sores on his feet. But apart from that... He was naked and he was just covered in sores. And I looked at him and I thought, gosh, that little boy shouldn't have to live like that, you know? So we went and bought a bottle of Dettol and a packet of Band-Aids thinking that we would just help the people at the rubbish dump with, you know, with sores and stuff like that. In fact, the ministry is still called Operation Passing Sore, which is pigeon for bandaging sores because that's what we were thinking at the time. 
But you and I both know that when we make ourselves available to God and take the first step on something that he places on our hearts, the windows of heaven slide open, mate, and he starts to pour out a blessing and increase. And as long as we remain faithful, as long as we don't give up and get weary in well-doing, he continues to pour it out. And now, like I say, we've got these two magnificent clinics. We've got the biggest um, infant immunization program in the country. We've got one of the biggest TB programs in the country. And now there's also we've got a dental clinic attached to both, both of our clinics. You know, I mean, we never draw a line in the sand and say, God, we can't go any further. You know, we keep saying, well, Lord, if you can keep going, we can keep going, you know. <laughs> and so when we started in Cairns, you know, you have this perception that, well, Australia's got everything, you know. But gosh, there's a lot of needy people here too. So fairly soon after starting, the, well, the very first Sunday, we not only ministered the gospel, but we fed everybody afterwards. And we've been doing that ever since. And now we've got a beautiful two-story building right in the middle of the CBD. And upstairs, we've got um, a, a cafe that you've seen and a feeding room where we, we feed everybody. And yeah, it's all free. Um, we feed everybody on Sunday. We do breakfast on Sunday mornings and we can serve up to 300 breakfasts on Sunday morning. And then we have church and then we feed everybody after church. And you've been there, Matt. You've been part of all that with us. And we give everybody lunch and that can be as many as 200 people after the first morning service. And then we do an evening service because we can't fit everybody in in the morning. And then we feed everybody again after the evening service and give them dinner. And I can tell and, you the uh, food is good too. I was very impressed. <laughs> hey, mate, we do have to wrap it up, but if people want to find out more, they can go to the website livinglight.org.au or yep. search for Living Light Gospel Church Cairns on Facebook. And, yep. uh, Bill, I just reckon uh, you're a history maker, mate. It's an inspirational story, what you and Corey have done, and you keep doing it. And uh, thanks, thanks for joining us today, mate. God bless. Just let me say all credit to the teams that we've got here in Cairns and up in Papua New Guinea. Without the teams that God's given us, mate, we couldn't do it. Thanks so much for your time, mate. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials, and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.